Hey everyone, my name's Monica. And I'm Josh. And we, we rate ratings. Because people have opinions. But there are two sides to every story. and we are back with free rate ratings before we get into more tangents our next guest on the show is professor john merritt i really enjoyed his class he's like probably one of the i was making a list in my head the other day i think he's top three out of like my top 10 or top five professors i've ever had he's such a chill guy um makes all like i'm not a history person he's a history professor but, you know, history's just never really been that interesting. I've never had good teachers in high school that really got me engaged in the subject. But when I took John Merritt's class back in the fall of 2018, I was engaged with every lecture. He just explained history so well, and he just um, was a really cool guy. So I'm looking forward to chatting with him. It's definitely a misconstrued course our general field history is because I was sort of in a bad position with history myself leaving high school because starting 10th grade we started having AP which is advanced placement history courses and I tried those out and they were not for me when I tell you they were not for me they really were not and it kind of built in me not a hate relationship with history but History was never my favorite subject, but it was always a subject I could sort of rely on. And then to go from AP to general history courses, those classes ended up being not challenging enough for me. So hearing more from history professors is definitely good when you have a stereotype or a particular viewpoint on a subject that either you're not majoring in or you haven't taken enough classes of. So I do want to ask him what got him into history and how he makes it so engaging for people like me who sort of find history as a daunting thing. I wouldn't say it was boring. It can be taught in a boring way. I've had plenty of those, but I think that would be something that we'll discuss among many other things. So just sit back, grab your hot tamales or a bag of Fritos and sip on that Fanta strawberry and we will be right back. Yes, we'll be right back after the break. So we are back with Professor John Merritt. John, how are you doing today? I am exceedingly well for a Monday. Uh, I hope you all right. are, are doing all right, too. Yep, we're doing fab. Uh, so, Josh, do you want to get started with the first question? On the sure. At Sheldon State and here at UA, what departments do you teach in and how long have you been teaching there? I've secretly taught in a variety of departments that they don't even know about yet. I'm sort of, uh, no, 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 uh, in all seriousness, uh, just in the history department. That's the only place they let me out of. So um, it, it's all history. 
And uh, I, pro- I focus predominantly on the survey level courses. So uh, American civilization, I think, is what they call it at one place and U.S. history out of the other and Western Civ and, and so forth. I can never, I never know what I'm teaching until I go into the classroom and I look at the syllabus. Uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. But uh, mostly the survey level courses that deal with sort of the broad, um, the broad topics, the big pictures that, you know, that everybody's kind of familiar with already. Uh, but we like to dive in obviously a little bit, a little bit more, you know, World War II, stuff like that, you know, that you're going to be, even if you're not a history person, you're going to be sort of familiar with at, at, the, at least at, in a basic concept. You've probably seen a movie about it or played a video game about it. We'll, we'll talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so the next question after that is what makes you so passionate about, you know, not just American history, but general history? Why is it a subject that you love teaching and kind of what gravitated you towards this field? Well, it's definitely not the paycheck. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't you, you can't become a millionaire doing doing what what I do. Um, you know, it's a question that is a very is a very good one, and I don't really have a singular answer for what gravitated it gravitated me towards it. My interests in history have changed quite considerably over time, and I'm I'm one of the people who I I while I may not feel comfortable outside of my specialty, the way an expert in that field may, um, I do have a broad love of it. Uh, everything from medieval history to cold war, which is my area of specialty, uh, and everything in between. Um, but what really gravitated me towards it was, uh, you know, just, just finding interests, um, through reading. I, I was in high school and even before that, I was always kind of a loner. Um, and it was something I always was gravitated towards was reading. And then by the time I got to high school uh, for, you know, for three years, I played uh, the part of the guy who was, uh, you know, completely uninterested in school. I actually, I tell people this all the time. I actually failed history in high school because I was so uninterested in doing well. And I, I guess sort of it was the cool thing to do. I, I had, I'd like to say I was, you know, influenced by my peers, but it was probably me influencing them just as much and uh, ended up having to take history again. And, and when I took it again, I, I had some really good teachers. And one day uh, in my 12th grade year, I was, I was actually taking two histories and uh our, uh, my teacher, he essentially said, you know, you'd be pretty good at this. And I, I honestly didn't know what made him say that. And, uh, I actually started college with no idea of what I wanted to do, but that sort of stuck in the back of my head. And I liked the idea of, of, uh, talking about history and finding something interesting to, to relate it to. And I'm not one of these professors who believe that every single thing that ha- happened in history has a, you know, um, an analogy to, to current events or anything like that. Uh, but I do think that there are some things that we can learn from in the past. And, and even if you're not getting lessons, as they sometimes say, I think to a, to a great extent, uh, the past is just an interesting place. So I, uh, that's the best I can answer. It. <laughs> All right. And how would you describe your teaching style as well as your aim in teaching? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. Um, my teaching style, I guess you could say, is I try to be a little bit laid back. I I, I try to pick up on the things that, uh, or at least remember the things that I thought worked 
when I was on the other side of the of the uh, lecture podium, uh, so to speak, I, I try to remember what I thought worked really well when I had professors, uh, what they uh, accomplished that really uh, made me want to come to class and try to avoid the things that even if I liked the professor as a person or thought that they did A and B really well, uh, try to avoid the things that I hated doing. Um, I, I enjoy discussions, but for example, I don't I don't enjoy discussions uh, in group settings where you have to meet outside of the class. So I try to avoid I try to avoid saying do a group discussion, but you need to meet five times, you know, over the semester on your own or anything like that, because that always, you know, I think that um, one of the things is to remember that students have lives outside of the 100 level course that you're teaching. And uh, I try to avoid the things that I didn't really, you know, uh, latch on to. And it, it, you know. It's not going to work for everyone. Um, I'm sure there's some students who take my classes and say, hey, I wish we would have done this differently. And, uh, you know, there are some who enjoy that approach. And remind me of the second part of your question. What is your aim in teaching? Like, why do you, what is your take home when it comes to teaching history? Well, the first thing is to make it as dull and uninteresting as possible so I never have to compete with a future student over a job. Make sure that they never are interested in history enough to apply for a history professor position. That's the main thing, because um, I don't like competition. You know? um, but no, I, I think that there's something uh, I think that there's something out there for the engineering student, uh, the psychology major, uh, the chemistry or, or the 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 pre-med or pre-law. I think there's something out there for everyone. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm one of those who say, you know, hey, you may not remember, you know, the Battle of Gettysburg or something like that. You may not remember the specifics of, um, you know, what led to the Reign of Terror or something like that. But there are skills that we can develop within the classroom in a history course that are applicable to whatever field you're going into. So even if it's a student who doesn't like history, I have essentially two objectives with all my students, and that is to uh, make them think more analytically, make them think more critically. And second, uh, to at least engage them uh, to, a, to a level that they find something interesting. They may, they may be like me and say that, oh, you know, I don't like this particular type of history or this particular area. But there's something down the road that that will pique my interest. Um, and I think it's I think it's really important uh, when you're dealing with a, a lot of different um, uh, different people who have different backgrounds, who have obviously different personalities uh, to try to find a way that that at least on some blanket level connects with everyone. And that that can be difficult to do. Uh, but I think if, if you if you prevent present a variety of of topics at the end of the day, there may be one or two of them that, that, Hey, even the person who comes in like, Oh gosh, I have to take a, a history course. Uh, they may even find interesting, even if it's just the blood and guts of war, you know, everybody likes a good war story. So, you know, make that interesting connection so that everyone will find at least something that they, they can take away from the class. And our last question before we really get into like the reviews is, what has been the most rewarding aspect of teaching so far? And what would be also the biggest hurdle of your teaching so far? Um, the, the most rewarding thing is, I think, 
when people come up at the end of the semester and they shake your hand or, you know, say thank you and, and you know, it's a legitimate thank you or a legitimate handshake. It's not, Oh, you know, I, I need a little extra bump on the final exam or something like that, which, you know, uh, but when it's a legitimate thank you and and it's sincere and, and stuff like that. And I've had students, um, contact me and say, Hey, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your effort in the class and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to take another class from you. And, and after grades are in, obviously there's no question of the sincerity of it. So I think that that's, that's a really big rewarding thing. I, I don't, I didn't become a professor to be the, the research style professor that, that most, uh, most are interested in being, I, I, I do this because I like interacting with people. Um, as I said, I used, you know, in, in high school and stuff like that, I was a bit of a loner, but you know, you can't be, I don't think you can be an effective uh, teacher um, if you're not the type of person who wants to engage other people and, and, and share your interests with them. That's, that's what's so great about this. And, and to really, um, to really let people know that, Hey, there's, there's new ways of thinking about stuff that's already happened. We don't have to think about it the same exact way. We can challenge what we think we can, um, we can even sort of poke holes in the traditional way of thinking by, by introducing new evidence or, or saying, thinking about it in a different way. And I, I definitely try to do that. I try to, I, I think it's really important to look at old stuff in new ways. The hardest, I guess, the, the most difficult to Monica, if I'm, if, if I'm remembering your, your second part of your question, the most challenging part of it, um, I would say, you know, from the way I approach it, it's not really a challenge. You know, there's uh, the old saying that, you know, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. It's a bit of a cliche, but I, I think to some degree, there's, there's certainly a lot of it, but if I had to choose one thing, it's certainly uh, end of semester paperwork, the bureaucracy of administrative paperwork is enough to, you know, uh, uh, last, I, I feel like I've done enough for, uh, for two lifetimes. Um, so all the sort of the tedium, you know, that comes with that kind of stuff and, and that stuff has its place, but certainly com- compiling data that you don't really know if anyone's ever going to read or if they're just making you do it for busy work or if secretly they hate you, you know, um, at the end of the day, I, I would say that the paperwork, the, the, the administrative type side of things is, is sort of uh, the down, the only downside to, to, to what I do. I, I love what I do and I, I wouldn't do anything else. And a question that we just wanted to ask generally, have you looked at either of your Rate My Professor pages? I have, um, but it's been a while. I, I know that um, from what I've heard from undergrads um, is that it used to be a bigger thing than what it, what it is now, but it would, seem like, uh, it, seem, it would seem like it's still a very beneficial tool. I know there's, uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, there's, there's Corsicle. Um, rate my professor. I, I know there's some apps, some sharing apps that, that students will be on and say, Hey, you know, this is, uh, this is a professor worth taking, or this one's, you know, you want to avoid like the plague or, or what, ha- what have you. Um, but I've looked before, but, but I feel like, um, I feel like it's good. It's rate. My professor is a good thing because it does give, uh, it, it does allow you to stay anonymous um, and I think using it in conjunction with feedback from friends and things like that, it, it does give a pretty decent estimation of 
you know, what students are looking for when, when they when they take a professor. But at the same time, I think it's important to remember it's just one person's opinion per per review. So looking at the overall rate my professor scored for UA, the overall satisfaction is 4.7 out of 5, so 9.4 out of 10. And then 96% of student raters would take again. Okay. And Still, now, I'll, I'll take I'll take those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so our first review from the UA is from History 108. This is October 2018, and it's a four out of five. And okay. it starts with, "I've never liked history, but he's super cool and nice, and really wants his students to do well. Very open to suggestions. He let us take a test online and made us a study guide because we asked if he would. Cancelled class a few times." And now, aside from discussions and emails, what resources do you give to your students to help them better understand the material? You know, how can knowledge of a subject go from beyond a textbook and in-class materials, would you say? I kind of go back and forth. I, I think that a good, a good teacher or a good professor is uh, self-critical, uh, critical of the way uh, he or she presents the material, critical of their approach. Um, and doesn't just come in and do the same thing over and over again because that that monotony will it'll at least drive me crazy. Some people might might give it might give them a nice smooth ride. As I, I kind of prefer the roller coaster experience, uh, you know, shoot from the hip. And I think that um, that was there was a while there where I stopped doing the study guides because what I noticed was when I did them, a lot of students would basically treat it like, you know, definition words, like put it on a, on a, on a card, a five by seven and flip it over. And there's the definition. Whereas I want them to be able to connect the terms and the ideas and the people and the events. And if you're just, you know, if you're just telling me, you know, George Washington, first, first president of the United States on your, on your five by seven note card, and you leave out the information of, you know, the revolutionary war, you're only getting half the picture or you're not even getting, uh, you're not even getting half the picture. Um, the, the, you know, the Continental Congress, you know, uh, and, and uh, the Constitutional Convention and all of those things kind of get left to the wayside. So I went away from that. But I did. I remember, you know, going back to it for a while and things like that because of students requests. And I do try to take into consideration because I do, again, consider the class not just to be mine, but theirs as well. And if it, it you know, it, it's it's not a complete democracy, but if there are some things that they feel will help them and other students don't want to use those tools, that's completely fine. But I think that, you know, you're asking, you know, what can help beyond the textbook? I think providing those types of tools can um, and meeting students where they are as far as what their needs are. Um, I remember we got a little behind. Maybe it was from all the, you know, the getting sidetracked that I do, <laughs> but we got a little behind one semester, probably every semester. And we did end up doing an exam online when the other exams were in person because we had to cover the material and we had to get through it. And I don't ever want to rush, you know, anything in class. So it was important that we get through it. And, and if this is the same semester, it was an opportunity for us to, to, to get the details in class and, you know, the exam being online, you know, it's not a it's not a complete multiple choice question. You know, the questions are there that you have to answer on your own. You can't necessarily find the answers and and copy them verbatim from a book. And your input matters. So 
you know, for me, the, 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 the alternative was exam online or, you know, rush through the material. And I'm, I'm not going to do, do any sort of rushing if, if I can help it. And the next review is a month after for the same course, 108, and that's a five out of five. Mm-hmm. And it says, best professor I've had. All right. John was funny, connected with the class, easily accessible outside of class, and straightforward with tests. He even gave the essay question beforehand. Don't like discussions? Don't take this class. Participation is a biggie. Easy pass if you just attend class and take notes. And one thing I noticed as I have yet to take my history credits is history classes have a recitation or a discussion portion of their course. In your opinion, why is this vital for history courses as opposed to having one in every single class? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, my classes are a little bit different in the discussion or the re- recitation, as they call it, um, in that I don't, I don't typically have a TA or a teaching assistant doing the, the discussion section. So I, I integrate those into my class because my classes are typically capped off at 25 for the honors and I believe 40 for the, for the non-honors, the regular, um, regular courses. So I try to integrate those into the class. And under COVID, it obviously became a little bit more difficult. Um, so we went to an online format of discussion, which was valuable, but I still like the in-person um, experience. I think it's important, Josh, to, to have that um, because uh, essentially this is how we do history. We analyze the material. Uh, there is this, the, this sort of old hackney sort of stereotype of the, of the professor who sits in his desk or sits at his desk in his office and has a do not disturb sign on his, on his door while he's just rummaging through, you know, photocopies of documents from the library or what have you. But history really isn't practiced like that. If it ever was, it's certainly not anymore. Um, It's, it's in some ways a collective effort. You, you don't, you know, the more eyes on something, the, the more perspectives we can have on it typically. And I think it's also in, good to engage students in any field that they can get comfortable having these types of conversations um, with other people because they're going to do this type of stuff wherever they go, uh, whatever major they, they, they're in and, and whatever field they go into for employment. So I think they're getting both um the analytical side of this, this is how historians do history. And we debate and we discuss and we look at new options and we, we try to get new perspectives on things while also, again, focusing on how they can apply that uh, to colleagues down the road or in their own department or field and area of specialty. So it gives a little bit of both. And, you know, like I said, a little bit more difficult under COVID, but essentially I assign primary source documents or, you know, we might take one book that semester and and do it as a discussion in a classroom. And this is this is way better set up for the 75 minute long classes than the 50 minute. Um, but either way, we, we, you know, we try to discuss those documents and we try to at least I try to get it beyond just me asking questions. I try to make the the conver- I try to make it conversational and try to make it organic to where, you know, we can we can have a back and forth and, and, and take different perspectives without me just saying, what did he mean by this? Or 
what does this passage, you know, somebody define this passage. It can sometimes get into that. And the first one is, is always the most difficult. But once they get a feel for it and, and get some feedback on how, you know, how to approach those discussions, they, they typically get better. And on the subject of discussions and discussing with your students, do you have a favorite unit or topic to hear students debate on or discuss about? Oh, I've never thought about it. Um, I, I've really enjoyed our conversations on the French Revolution. Uh, I've done the 106, if that's the correct number. That's the honors. Uh, that's the honors Western Civ Part Two. I've really enjoyed our discussions on those. Um, the American Revo- both revolutions, the American and the French ones, have been really good. Um, I think. It's been a while since we I've done one on um, more recent history. I'm trying to think back uh, to one, you know, for the sake of, of time, I won't sit here and just ponder and ponder. But I would say that those two have, have been really good. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter the topic. Uh, French Revolution, American Revolution, American Civil War, World War II, all of these things that we sort of think this is how it was and that's it close the book. No, let's go back and, and dig a little deeper or dig in a different direction. And this next review is History 103, and it is April 2019, 5 out of 5. And it says, John is actually the best professor on campus. He works with his students to make sure his due dates don't fall around busy times for other classes very understanding of personal issues and loves to build a connection with his students. He's an easy grader and gives extra credit if you show up to class when no one else does. Very funny. And something I found interesting was the extra credit for attending when not a lot of students do because I've had similar instances with other professors And sort of a question that we have asked multiple professors, if not every professor, is has student attendance ever been an issue in your classes? Yeah, um, I would say, I would say no, generally speaking. If we look at the whole, the semester as a, as a, in its totality, as a whole, I would say no, that, that attendance has never been an issue, um, I would say it does drop off, you know, and that's, that's, that tends to happen. Um, I remember particularly when I was a teaching assistant in the big, you know, the big auditorium classrooms, uh, particularly the one in 10 whore is, you know, on the first floor and it's, you know, it can seat like 250 people. And over the course of the semester, it would just get, you know, down to where you're, you're down to the, the sort of the, the last, you know, I guess the last 300 or the last 30 out of, out of uh, 150 or 200 or whatever it would be in that last week or two, but I don't ever teach classes that are that big. Um, so with, with attendance for me, I, I think it does drop off some towards the end of the semester, but nothing to that degree, or even as a percentage, anything like that. And um, you know, I'd like to think that it, 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 you know, those students have recognized that, Hey, you know, one or two tests in what we do in class matters. And um, the whole idea of, of, of extra credit when you're, you know, when you do have a small group, it, it's sort of a double-edged sword because if you're constantly coming, you're never going to get extra credit. 
but you're getting the material that you're going to need to do well on the course. And, uh, you know, the faithful who do come consistently, they will be able to take advantage when that, that, that is a little bit lower, that attendance level is a little bit lower, but I would generally say that that attendance is not an issue that I'm overly concerned with. Okay. And so this is our last review here today. It's history 107 from December of 2019, five out of five. It says, John is your best bet for a history teacher. Class gets canceled sometimes, but he never rushes the material and is very accommodating with due dates. He likes to get to know his students. Don't skip class. Don't know how mandatory attendance is, but the whole class is a lecture and it's hard to learn for yourself. He has a Southern take on history. Um, (laughs) I don't know. What does that mean? (laughs) You don't know what that means. (laughs) I have no idea. We were going to ask you what that meant because I had no idea what that meant. I guess I mean, you're not pro-Yankee. I'm not really. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have, I do joke about Yankee. Like I did earlier, I do joke about Yankees taking over Alabama. Um, But no, I I have no idea what a Southern take. I I don't know what that means. Um, May, you know, maybe my accent comes out more the longer I talk. Uh, But um, I'm not sure. I, I, we, which class, what, what number, what, what class number was that? It was history 107. 107. That's, that's honors first half U.S., well, I mean, we spend a lot of time on what the South is doing. There's some obviously some major issues going on, you know, uh, cotton production, slavery, civil war. Um, Virginia is huge. And, you know, it, it's the first real big colony and the first real influential state. Um, if that makes a Southern take, I guess, or maybe maybe this person he or she is saying that my interpretation is, is a Southern interpretation. But, I, you know, I, that's like saying my interpretation is a redheaded one because I'm redheaded. I, I don't know how I, I can't give a northern interpretation or a Canadian or Japanese or Mexican or, or because that's not me. So I don't I really don't know. Um, maybe this, you know, maybe this. Uh, maybe I, it sounds like they appreciated it, I guess. Uh, um, but, yeah, if it's a material related question, it's it's certainly because of the important role, I think, of. Of Virginia and, like I said, things like slavery and and the colonies and um, uh, you know Madison and 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 Jefferson and and, and Washington, all of those kind of those guys are all from Virginia, um, you know. So so maybe that in the context of the material, maybe that's what this person was talking about, or maybe they're just talking about m- my perspective that they they found to be a southern one, and I I, I can't speak to how that is because, you know, I. I've never thought about it, uh, <laughs> but I like that. I, I do like that. And, and um, I think that person you said mentioned as well, uh, we don't, you know, I try not to rush the material. So that's, you know, that's important too, I think is, is that they get the, you know, they get the full scope of the material. Since you don't know what having a Southern take on history means, <laughs> I don't think we, any of us do. Uh, how would you describe your perspective in teaching American history? Uh, well, in American history, I, you know, there, there's so much to be said about it. Um, I, I feel I, I never leave a semester or a class without feeling like I've sort of shortchanged the, the, the students um, because there's so much that can be said. I mean, it, it's just so, so broad, so deep. And um, I'm an American historian by training, uh, 20th century American historian. 
Um, so as much as I enjoy the other courses and, and teaching history as a whole, I, I, you know, my approach is, is to try to give as much um, detail and nuance without being over and without over encumbering anyone um, to try to focus on the big picture and at the same time kind of poke holes in that big picture. Um, I think I mentioned a little earlier, you know, the founding father's idea assumes, I think, to some degree that they all are of like mind and, and that couldn't be further from the truth. So if we can show something like that or if we can take ideas and say, how do these apply? You know, um, one of the things um, one of the things this office says, you know, uh, you know, in the United States wins its wars that it's fight. It fights, you know, and, and we can sort of especially in the 20th century kind of say, OK, well, can we consider, you know, um, certainly not Vietnam, but even the Korean War or wars in Iraq and Afghanistan? Can we consider those victories? So we, we I try to I try to do there's a, a saying in history that there are lumpers and splitters, those who put everything together for the big picture and those who try to pick it apart. And I try to give the students a little bit of both interpretations. And I think it's important to, to, to do that without, again, without over encumbering them with, with so much information that they lose sight of the big picture. And sort of wrapping everything up with more interview style questions. One thing that I noticed when going through both of your uh, Rate My Professor pages was other than one single review about three years ago, can't remember the course, that simply said not to take you online. And it was in all caps with a lot of exclamation points, which didn't really add anything. There weren't any negative reviews other than that one. And that being said, do you believe Rate My Professor is an accurate or fair platform students can use to decide whether or not to take a class given there's so little criticisms made about a professor? Um, I, I think it's, yeah, that's, that's a fantastic question, Josh. I, I think from what you've read to me today, it, it sounds like there was some legitimate, some legitimate um, uh, understanding of what I try. <clears throat> excuse me, what I try to apply in the class. Um, you know, I think that to some degree it also comes down. I, I think that if students are looking at rate my professor as a means of of evaluating their next class that they're going to take, that they do need to keep in the consideration that, hey, this is one person's opinion, and and he or she depending on, on what they, you know, their grade in that class will be influential in, in what they, in what they write. Um, their own personal style of learning will be important in what they write. But if you can get a collective picture um, uh, of different reviews and say, okay, well, kind of going off of what we said today, it, it sounds like a lot of the students appreciated the fact that, you know, we were learning in an environment that wasn't strict or, or necessarily stuffy or boring. Um, and I think that they, they can get that from me because that's exactly what I'm trying to give them. Um, but there are some things I think that could be elaborated on the Southern, the, that's going to keep me up at night. What, what, what does that mean? Um, so, and also, you know, I, I, I did disclose to one um, class about, you know, medical, medical, my medical condition. Um, but typically it sounds like I probably should have had let that information be known that, you know, um, there's a reason that I, you know, maybe that person could have included it. Oh, there was, uh, uh, John had a, had a health issue that he had to cancel class. So maybe I should have, 
you know, let them know that without going into, you know, anything too personal. Um, so it doesn't seem like we're just flying by the seat of our pants. If a student takes the, decides to take, Oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to skip like five days in the semester and no, I'm no, I'm not, (laughs) you know? And if I, if something were to come up, I think, you know, this sounds like good feedback for me as well to say, Hey, um, we, we don't want anyone thinking that this is just a, just a come to class and you're going to pass without, or don't even come to class and you're going to pass. We, we, we want, you know, uh, I, I think I want to, to um, let students know that. And, and that could have been included in, in the reviews had I, had I let that information be known. So, you know, if you're complaining about, you know, we didn't read any like this today, but if you're complaining about a professor is, oh, he, he made us read the book, you know, you, you dock him for that. Well, we're all going to make you read books. It doesn't matter what class you take, whether it's from me or one of my, you know, very well-qualified peers, uh, he or she is going to make you read a book and I'm going to make you do that too. So if that's your complaint, that's not a legitimate one. So. Okay. And so I don't really think we discussed main um, at any point like SOIs, but do you think SOIs oh. personally are a better uh, platform to enlist student opinions than rate my professor? And what are some of the most memorable ones you can think of? Uh, that you've ever received? Um, well, let me start with the second half of your question. The the student uh, opinions of instructors, I think the ones I've gotten since we've been in the pandemic have really, really touched my heart um, because some of them, um, some of them recognize the difficulties, uh, you know, that we, we all faced and are in some, in some cases still facing as a result of, of, of the global pandemic. And, and I appreciated what they had to say. I mean, uh, those are the ones I obviously remember the best because they just, you know, I've just read them uh, not too long ago. Um, but some of the comments that we talked about here today on Rate My Professor, like, you know, he really cares about us and he wants us to do well. And he takes our consider our opinions and our perspectives into consideration. I, I never want to shut anyone down. I never, you know, I never want to be that kind of instructor or professor who's like, you're completely wrong, you know, because that's not how we learn. And, and to shut someone down when, when he or she is, is trying to formulate an idea around a topic, it, it's not my intentions to show students how much more I know than they do. That if I wanted to do that, you know, if anyone wants to do that, that's not the, this isn't the field to do that. This isn't the profession. Um, but some of those comments about, you know, all the the sacrifices everyone was making during COVID uh, at its height and at its peak and, and having to, you know, retrain and rethink of how we learned, those really meant a lot. But there's also been some feedback that was critical on SOIs, and I've tried to take that into consideration as well. Um you know, one person, one person said one time in one of the honors courses, um, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like the discussions helped me that much. And so I, you know, I, I tried to focus more on making the discussions more meaningful and, 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 you know, sometimes they don't exactly explain, you know, what their critique was like here on, on rate, my professor, the same thing. Well, as far as which one do I think is better I think they're speaking to two different audiences. I think if, if I can, as someone who's never written a Rate My Professor review, I think they're obviously for the students, um, for fellow students. And I think that's a, a very beneficial thing if you take them collectively and not focus on one bad one or one really good one. Um, oh, this class was a breeze, you know, take him, you know, and then you get in there and you're 
you're struggling to make a C plus because you read just one review. But I think at the end of the day, the SOIs are there for the professors and for your department and saying, this is what John does well, and this is maybe what he needs a little work on. Um, and I try to take that into consideration. But but overall, I've, I'm very happy with the SOIs as well. Are you looking forward to a new semester with fewer COVID restrictions coming up? Absolutely. I am so ready to get back to uh, uh, normal, whatever that looks like. I, I, I particularly loathe the phrase new normal. I want to go back to the old normal. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I'm absolutely you know, looking forward to it. And, and um, I think even the things that we, you know, in, in the classroom, the, the, the precautions we took, it, it, it made an artificial and a, and a very real barrier uh, between, you know, um, student uh, uh, engagement. It, it made, it made it feel sort of superficial there for a while for two semesters or so. And I, I just, you know, I want to, I, I want us to get back to where we were as far as, uh, interactions with students, and I enjoy seeing everyone's face on campus and and feeling like we are a community of of learners and educators. And uh, you know that that process has to come first once we get you know completely back uh, back to one hundred percent. And so I'm 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 actually ecstatic about this upcoming semester. I couldn't be happier. Um, you know I'm going to have to you know uh, uh, revamp a few things after I made them COVID specific. Uh, but yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I'm really, really looking forward to it and, and, and getting back to our old normal, not our new normal. I don't want that. I want an old new normal. So. And just wrapping things up, are there any final words or comments that we might not have asked or mentioned that you would like to add to end us off? Um, I think we covered everything, but I, I think, I think for professors, a sense of humility is important. Um, you know, we might uh, we might know a lot about a certain subject, but it's important to to stay humble. Uh, we're always learning. I think it's important, you know, and I think it's important to treat your your students as individuals and and, and at the same time as as adults. You know, um, you're young adults, but you're still adults, and and have fun with this. This is this isn't a job. This, this is, this is fun. You know, I get paid to do this. I don't get paid, you know, Nick Saban money, but I, I get paid to do this and, and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And, and remember at the end of the day, you know, this, 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 this can be the most rewarding thing as long as you go into it, I think with a bit of humility and understanding that th this is a back and forth, like we're having here, this isn't just me you know, up here telling you how much I know about something without, without taking, you know, or without getting, you know, something back from the students. It, it's important to remember this is a two-way street um, and just enjoy it. That's, that's the most important thing. I, I, every day that I get to get to talk about history is, is a day I'm happy. Uh, or play video games. I haven't found a way to make money at that yet. So, but no, it, this is rewarding. And, and I think at the end of the day, it, it's important to remember how fun it, how fun it is. And if you, if you're a professor who's lost, lost that, I would say it's, it's time to try to find a way to get it back because I, I wouldn't do anything else. All right. Well, we thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Okay. Well, thank you so much again. You all have a great rest of your day and enjoy the rest of your summer.
So that was an interesting interview with Dr. John. Oh, I forgot to mention this. Um, he's so funny that on the first day of syllabus day when I had him, he said, yeah, you know, uh, this is my degree or whatever, you know, history, professor, blah, blah. And he was like, yeah, technically I have a PhD in history, but don't call me Dr. John Merritt because I ain't saved nobody's life. <laughs> <laughs> That's just kind of the personality he is. But yeah, it was very interesting to talk with him. And we had a long and very interesting conversation with him. Yes, we I hope did. you guys enjoyed. We did. And I definitely enjoyed his little combos thrown in there everybody listening thank you for reaching the end of this journey with us and before we really cut off just one other final reminder we rate ratings instagram twitter y'all know the drill at this y'all know the drill y'all like know the drill seven or something like that so y'all know the drill follow us dm us any suggestions we are open 24-7, like a Waffle House. I think Waffle Houses are open 24-7, are they? Like a Walmart. That's what's open 24-7, <laughs> definitely. But, you know, just you know, feel free to follow us for bonus content or follow us to send us a DM. You know, suggest a professor. Suggest a local business. Suggest yourself. If you have a story interesting enough, you know, we might let you come on. And discuss an infamous professor you know that could be fun you know we're not that scary I don't right <laughs> maybe you are the infamous professor as it were and you'd like to right some wrongs or state that maybe what students are saying aren't entirely true join us on the podcast join us on the pod hop on the pod <laughs> instagram twitter at we rate ratings no periods no underscores no repeating letters or fractions or addition subtraction signs or any of it if it were we will see you guys next week and keep it real keep it safe i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> see you guys <laughs> and gals Bye. and days the girls gays and days we've discussed exactly This podcast is a Crimson Y production co-hosted by Monica Nakashima and Josh Liberty. The audio editing and mixing was produced by Monica, Josh, and Crimson Y culture editor Jeffrey Kelly. The introduction song featured is Stardust by Jay Jen, taken from YouTube channel Audio Library Plus, which offers downloadable free and safe music for content creators without copyright issues.